Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him from before his translation. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. Now if you underline anything in your Bible, I would underline those two words in verse 6, must believe. Verse 7 says, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice, if you will, these characters, these real-life characters that we are reading about in the Word of God, each of these characters have something that is in common. They are all people of faith. Now, how and what they are believing uh, and what they are dealing with and what their faith is revealing is different. But the one common thing that they have is they have faith. Now you'd say, what is faith? Faith is simply this this morning. Faith is taking God at his word. That is nothing more and nothing less. Faith is trusting and believing what God has to say about any subject matter or anything. What God says we believe because God is the one that said it. So faith is taking God at his word. So how are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith. What does that mean? I simply trusted God and trusted what Jesus Christ done and put my trust in his name and the finished work of Calvary. I just believed God. I got saved because I believed God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's faith, faith, faith. And this chapter is dealing with that of faith. And we see in verse 1 that the Bible said, the fa- Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. We understand that hope is confidence based on a well-founded expectation. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. But we do understand here that while faith is evidence, we see in this chapter the evidences of the faith these people had. Their faith 
brings our attention to something. You know, and have I've stated both times I've preached out of this portion of Scripture last Sunday, that God never intended to draw man's attention to another man just for the purpose of that man having his attention on that other man. But we know and are taught in the Scripture that we are to live by example, that we might help those that are what? Either lost or weak in the faith. We've been seeing that in Romans chapter number 14 when we started defining who was weak in the faith. Understand that I should get to the place in my relationship to God that I'm not relying on your example uh, or your example to live, but I live by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So ultimately our example is to encourage someone to walk towards Christ, to walk like Christ would have them to walk, but ultimately we want them to get to where they don't have to rely on our example as much as they rely upon the word of God. Amen. So someone that's weak in the faith is following your example. But faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you want to have faith, you're going to have to put your hope and faith and trust in what God has to say. You will find that man has an opinion on everything, but your opinion is no different than your armpit. It stinks. And you need to know what God says about something. Amen. So the Bible says here uh, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Faith is taking God at his word. It's believing. Listen. It's believing what isn't visible based upon God's record. Now, you understand that faith, we don't, we don't walk by sight. We don't live by We live by faith. We walk by faith. But faith uh, is believing what isn't readily visible, but is based upon God's record, right? Now, you'll find a lot of people trying to live by everything, but we're trying to live by God's record, by what God has left for us, all right? Now, 1 John chapter 5 deals with this matter of faith, all right? And, and uh, so 1 John 5, 9 tells us if we receive the witness of men... The witness of God is greater. And the Bible says here, For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. 1 John 5.10 says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Now before I got saved, I didn't have God living on the inside. But I had to believe by faith and take God at his word. But now that I've trusted in God through, saved by grace through faith, now I have what I could not see living on the inside, uh, testifying of the truth that he brought to me through the word of God. All right, so what do we see here? We find here that the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Know ye not? that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's what 1 John 5 and 10 is talking about. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record, the record, the record that God gave of his Son. So one would would that believeth not and is turn, trying to turn God into a liar. And that's what happens when you don't believe God's word. You're the same as saying that God is a liar. 
That's very dangerous, and, and I intend to deal with that tonight. I'm going to preach tonight, if the Lord will be my helper, uh, on this matter of the unforgivable sin. Now, you want to talk about a doctrine that's miscombobulated and abused and, and treated with, uh, all, I mean, all kinds of opinion. No, rarely ever do you get a good message on what it is to deal with that of blasphemy and the unforgivable sin. I was a child and believed that there was something out there in the world that if I'd done it, I was never going to ever be able to be forgiven of it because nobody could explain to me what that meant. We're going to get there tonight through this verse of Scripture, the Lord being our helper. But we don't have time for it this morning, and I don't either. So we're going to move that direction, but we're going to take what we found here in 1 John 5 and 10 and use that uh, coupled with some other things tonight. But Abel, we find here that, that each of these men are exemplifying something through their faith. Their, their faith, you understand, is evidence. But we're finding here that there is evidence of their faith. All right? And what is, their, what is their faith portraying? What is it showing us? What is God doing through faith? All right? Now, Abel, we understand when we talked about Abel in verse number 4, and we broke that down and we preached on that, and I don't have time to go back through that again, we find the blood sacrifice. We see that when we deal with this matter of Abel, we find that, that Abel had faith, if you will, that the lamb that he brought, that he had no part in planting the seed of, by the way, would be sufficient. Now, faith is what? Faith is taking God at his word. Why did Abel bring a lamb? He knew he was supposed to. His mother and father, if you will, uh, uh, left the Garden of Eden with a coat of skin upon their bodies that uh, an animal had to shed its blood for them. Listen, Abel and Cain, they were not walking by uh, blind, if you will. They understood what God wanted. But we find right here that Cain brought works, and so he was not going to be he was not going to be accepted. And you'll find today that if you go to God for salvation through your works, you will not be accepted. All right, because we're saved by grace through faith, not of our works, lest any man would be able to boast. If God had found what Cain had brought to be good, Cain could have left boasting. Cain was boasting when he brought it, or he wouldn't have brought it, friend. So we find here that this picture of faith uh, it reveals something to us. And Abel had faith in the lamb to which he had no part in the planting of the seed. And we see here the difference between the two is works versus blood. The blood was accepted and works was rejected. And so Hebrews 9, 22 said, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. All right? So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, As we know, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the contrast between Abel and Cain is one had works, and one brought the lamb, trusted in the lamb, that the, the lamb would satisfy God the shedding of that blood. So we see the blood being revealed, all right? So the faith of Abel reveals to us the blood. By faith, we see Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him before he had to, before, uh, for, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. You find that uh, earlier on in the book of Genesis that he walked with God, which is what Adam and Eve could not do in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. Had he walked with God, he pleased God. Did you know how we're going to walk with God, how we're going to be with God? We're going to have to please God. Now, we understand that we can't please God apart from the blood. So this is all building, you understand. This all connects. But we find that the faith in these, these men had are revealing different things. But you'll find that the faith that, that, that they live, the, the faith that they had 
is exemplifying attributes that you and I uh, see in God. And so we also see that in it being translated as a type of picture of the rapture of the church. There'll be no rapture of the church apart from the blood that was shed at Calvary. And you understand that rapture is, is, is God being, uh, us being reconciled to God. God getting what was taken away from him because of man's sin. Separation in the garden. Then we find that there's reconciliation because of reconciliation there's a relationship. And one has been reconciled unto God. And one can be with the Lord in eternity fellowshipping and bringing glory and honor to the Lord. So we find here that Abel is a picture of the blood sacrifice and we find here, or the faith that Abel had shows us the blood sacrifice and Enoch uh, shows us the picture of the rapture, if you will, and how that Enoch pleased God and, and uh, we find here the rapture being a picture of restoration. Alright, so we found destruction in the Garden of Eden but now we're finding that there's a restoration here uh, by the faith that Enoch had. Now, I want to take you to Revelation chapter number 2 for just a moment and uh, read to you a verse of Scripture. Let's go to Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2 here this morning. If I can keep my place where I need it to be. Revelation chapter number 2 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now you realize in this portion of scripture that uh, the Lord is addressing the church at Smyrna. And uh, the church at Smyrna was uh, a period of time, when we look at this in, in time uh, and in dispensation and how we break these things down, we find here that Smyrna was in a period of great persecution. When Jesus passed off the scene and was taken to glory uh, to be with his Father and sit at the right hand of the throne of God, God's people went through some things. And they suffered some things. And you just read your history and study on the disciples and what they went through being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no wonder that he said they persecuted me and they're going to persecute you. And what, what the Lord's saying to the church at Smyrna is, is fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. In other words, you're going to suffer. But there's one thing you don't have to fear. Because regardless of what you have to suffer, your relationship with me stays the same. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil which shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So Revelation 2.10 is an exhortation that the church of Smyrna shouldn't allow the fear of the persecutions get in the way of their faithfulness. It was an exhortation of faithfulness coupled with a reminder that a crown of life awaited them. This is not a picture... They had to prevail in order to have a crown of life. This is saying to them, the exhortation is to remind them that they should stay faithful and not to fear what should come because they had the crown of life. This is not works. This is an exhortation that you've got something greater awaiting you. Stay faithful. Why stay faithful? Because through faithfulness, God is showing people something through your life. 
we find that we are having our attention drawn to individuals that God hand-selected and placed in Hebrews chapter number 11, this great hall of faith, but not just for the sake of calling attention to these people, but what the faith of these people revealed to others. And can I say to everyone that has a King James Bible, the, 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 the Word of God, if you will, is revealing to folk what these people who had faith and let, uh, let, allowed their faith, rather, to show people through their life, okay? And so we find here that uh, uh, we're not to be nearsighted and only focus on what is directly in front of us. We, we have a tendency to do that because we're in the here and the now. Now, we always are looking at the future when it comes to our wants and wishes and desires upon this earth, but when it comes to spiritual things, we seem to only get, we can't get past today. We just know where we're at today, the struggles that we're having today. And the exhortation here to the church at Smyrna is, yes, troubles will come, and certainly there will be suffering, and certainly the devil's going to try you. The devil was at an all-time mad right here because Jesus had died and the blood had been shed and man has the ability to be reconciled unto God. The devil was angry. And so what's happening here? He's going to try God's people. But he's saying, be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of righteousness. Satan cannot take the crown away. So he's exhorting them to stay faithful. So our, our, we find here that we're nearsighted sometimes and only focus on what's directly in front of us. But the Lord's saying maintain the vision. Maintain the vision. He's trying to put them back into uh, to, to vision again on what really is. Do you know that, that this vision was going to help them stay faithful? How was the Lord promoting faithfulness? How was he promoting faithfulness? By reminding them of what they had awaiting them. You'll have a hard time staying faithful unto God if you can't get past the right now and look out there into the future. All of these men were trusting and putting their faith, and ladies were putting their faith in what God said. So aren't you glad they weren't putting their faith in their feelings? Brother, let me tell you. They put their faith in their feelings, they'd be in a bad shape. The Lord wasn't telling the church at Smyrna to have faith in me and have faith and stay faithful because it feels good. He said it's going to feel rough. You're going to go through trials and tribulations and times of persecution. But your faith ought to stay. You stay focused and you'll keep the faith. Stay focused on what you've got ahead and you'll stay faithful. The unfaithful today is people who have lost their vision for what God has done for them and has laid up in store for them in the future okay so your vision is by faith though not by sight all right to stay faithful you must have faith how, how do we see through God's eyes faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God according to Romans 10 17 you need to see in a sense in order to have faith but it's not with your eyes your faith is the evidence of things not seen according to Hebrews uh, chapter number one. Your faith testifies of your belief. But your faith reveals something to others. And Abel's faith reveals the blood. And Enoch's faith reveals the rapture of the church. And uh, we, we see here that fellowship restored uh, that was broken 
seven generations before. The rapture is a restoration of those who have believed or put their faith in Christ. Hebrews eleven six tells us, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. What's that mean? Believe that he is. Well, we better believe who God is. The Bible says here, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is what? That he is God. You won't please God if you don't see God for who God is. Now, when you see God for who God is, you have something to put your faith in. But how do we see God for who God is? Through his word. His word reveals to us that. So the Bible says here, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Thank the Lord right there of them that diligently seek him. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And you understand you can't accept something that isn't presented. And the very first time we are introduced to temptation is in Genesis chapter number 3, when Eve had to choose God and take him at his word or Satan at his word. And you'll find Adam and Eve are not in Hebrews chapter number 11. But Abel is. Why? Why was that second generation seen in Hebrews 11? Because that second generation took what Adam and Eve told him and he believed it. Now I want to say this. You as a mother, and I, this ain't even in the outline, but you as a mama and a daddy, it might not have been said of you that you had great faith. But you can take some of the things that you've learned and the experiences that you've gone through from some of your stupid mistakes and teach your children not to make the same mistakes. The Bible here uh, in James 1 and 12, it, 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 it sounds like works. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. This sounds like works. But that's not what the verse means. Your works will bring rewards. There's no doubt about that. And, we, and when you read in James chapter number one, you see some things about works. Those rewards will be offered back to Christ for your service to him upon this earth. But blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life that the Lord hath promised to them that love, uh, love him. What's this matter of temptation? It's, it's taking God at his word. How do we receive a crown of life? When Satan comes and tempts, you have to make a decision. Now Satan's after you. And Satan don't want you to be saved if you're lost. And you're going to have to come to the place in life where you're going to have to make a decision whether to believe God and trust him in his word or whether you're going to come under the rule of Satan and the darkness of this world and allow him to be your God. Because you understand that Satan is here today because he desired to be a God. Not a God, he desired to be the God. Being a God wasn't good enough for Satan. He wanted to be the God. And he's still desiring to have control of your life because he, he is jealous and mad at God. And it's really not so much about you today as it is God. 
And why is Satan faithful in his bidding? Because he wants to hurt God. God is hurt if you are not with God. How do we know? Because we can see Jesus suffered that you might be with God. So Satan has got a job to do. And he's serious about what he's doing. Blessed is the man that endure temptation, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, we look at verse 6 and we see, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah. Listen now. Being warned of God of things not seen as yet. That sounds like faith. There were some things coming that had not come yet. And we find that Noah prevails. Why? Because Noah took God at his word about some things that had never been seen before. All right? So what's, what's happening is Noah, like the other two, is having to live by faith. My faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not, as yet, uh, not seen as yet, moved with fear. Fear is the beginning of wisdom. To fear God is to take God at his word. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house. That was a huge undertaking, Brother Shane. An undertaking that took a long time to accomplish. I'll say this, it took a lot longer to accomplish than it would have because there was minimal people working in that direction. And the less people are working, the longer the job's going to take. Amen. But we do understand here that this man believed what God had told him. And the Bible said, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So this man had faith. But we see that by which he condemned the world. Now what is our faith doing? Our faith is exemplifying something. Our example, it should be portraying that of the Lord Jesus Christ and all things that pertain to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now faith, it's been said, that, that is not tested cannot be trusted. So faith that's put under testing is faith that is being watched by a lost and dying world. Which is why the church at Smyrna was exhorted that in their tribulation and in their issues of life, they should stay faithful because regardless of what's taken from you here, Satan can't touch what's for you over there. And so that's the exhortation. Why? Why is it important that they stay faithful? Why was it important that the Lord told the church at Smyrna that they needed to stay faithful? Because faithfulness is revealing something. Faithfulness is revealing something that cannot be revealed unless you go through some things. We go through some things and we want to quit on God because we're mad at God. Because why would God put me through some things? God's using your life as a testimony to reach others whether you see it or not. You say, I don't know why I've been given this lot in life. I don't know why that I love God. I don't know why that I've tried to do what God wanted me to do, yet I still find that I get myself in this shape and in this situation and sometimes even have to suffer the consequences of things that other people and their decisions have made that's causing you to have to deal with the consequences and you don't understand why. Just stay faithful because God can use it for His glory 
and for his honor to help somebody who's lost or somebody who's weak in the faith to get strong in the faith because you're exemplifying. God will not use your faith for nothing. God will take your faithfulness and turn it into something that he can use for his glory and for his honor. That's why doing jumping jacks and swinging all over these rafters might feel good to you in your flesh, but your faithfulness to God in the hardest times of your life will be what causes people to point them towards Calvary, friend. We hurt. We have pain. We got more of it coming, friend. If I live to be an old man, I got a whole lot more rough days ahead of me. And when I'm only looking right here, friend, at the face of the issue, I'm not seeing God and what God's doing. I'm just seeing poor old pitiful me. And I don't realize that God's actually given me an opportunity through my own suffering to take someone and point them towards Mount Calvary where he also suffered. We're not exempt from suffering. We're beating people out of a blessing by not taking our suffering and putting our trust and hope and faith in the Lord. There's something that God's doing here. Noah condemned the whole world by his testimony of faith. God saved Noah. Say, say what's this? Now, now let's, let's pause here. So far we're talking about faith. And we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. We find that in Cain and Abel. But why is it when we get to Noah, all we see is works? Hammers and nails and cross-cut saws and I can't imagine what else was needed to get all that done. The effort, the engineering, Brother Shane, had to be, had to be astounding. They didn't just work. They had to work in order to work. They had to work in order to work in order to work to get something done. I mean, they were having to, to build just to be able to build. Just to do, just to do what God wanted. It took a long time. But, but what is this? How did Noah condemn the whole world with the testimony of his faith? Ever ringing of the hammer. Ever, ever cross cut with a saw. People walked by and made fun of Noah thinking that what he was doing was for nothing. But the Bible tells us that he was a preacher of righteousness. Now what is it to, to believe in God is to trust him. But not to believe in God is what? It's to call him a liar. You know what happened every time the hammer rung and the saw crossed the wood and they made fun, they called God a liar. Not knowing, not realizing that if they did not take God at his word, that they were going to die and be judged because of what? Their sin. Say, well, Noah was righteous, not because, listen, Noah didn't get saved because he was righteous. Noah was called righteous because he trusted God. Noah didn't get saved because of his works. Noah built a boat because of his works. But you know what that boat was going to do? Now, what did the boat actually do? The boat housed the animals. We know that. What would have happened, though, if all them people had decided, Brother Marvin, one day that they were going to believe God? What would happen? What if half the population around Noah in that day that was surrounding Noah and walking by Noah said, ah, we don't trust God? What if 150, 200, what if 1,000 come by on Noah one day and said, Noah, I'm under conviction. 
Any man that would do what you're doing all these years must know something I don't know because you sure have worked an awful long time. And I'm going to tell you something, Brother Shane. Somebody walked by one day and there'd be nothing, and then 100 years later see what Noah built. God had to be in that. See, there had never been no rain, but there had never been no boat like that either. And the boat was showing something. Now, we look at this from elementary eyeballs, but, I mean, just to, have you ever been to Kentucky to see the replica of the ark? It's mind-blowing. People drive from everywhere to go see it. Why? Because there's something to that. It's magnificent. Imagine just walking along one day and running into old Noah and take up conversation. Noah, what are you doing? Gives Noah an opportunity to talk to him about what God said. What if 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 decided that they were going to believe God? Would God have killed them? No. They'd have got on that boat with Noah. Say, well, the boat was for the animals. No, the boat took the animals. But the boat would have been for God's people if God's people had listened to God. You need to listen to me. You say, back that up, preacher. I don't know if I believe that or not. Listen to me. Believing God caused Noah to make a decision. Noah was saved by grace. The Bible tells us that. Go to Genesis chapter number 6 for just a minute. Genesis chapter number 6. Let me see where I need to be here. And verse number 8. The Bible said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So how is it that he, how is it that he was saved if he worked and he built the boat? It seemed like his works got him, got him saved. No, his works built a boat. He got saved because God who owns it all invited him in the boat. Now why did he get in the boat? He got in the boat because he believed God. He built the boat because he believed God. He wouldn't have built it if he didn't believe God. But he didn't get in the boat without an invitation of God. The Bible said in chapter 7 verse 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me. In this generation, his righteousness was revealed because he obeyed God. You know how you have righteousness today? I have imputed righteousness because I obeyed God. I believe in Jesus Christ, the one that bled and died for me, the only way to salvation, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I had to believe God. Because I believe God, it's been accounted to me, and now I'm righteous in him positionally because of that. He wasn't saved because he was righteous. He got righteous, friend, and was righteous because he trusted what God said. That's why he's a man of faith. He trusted what God said. But I do want you to notice with me what was the works about. Because everybody talks about the works of Noah. And people want to take the, the works that Noah had and, and said that that's what saved him. The works wasn't to save Noah. The works was to condemn the world. Do you understand God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that what? Will believe. So God give Noah a hundred and something years, Brother Shane, to preach what thus saith the Lord. But guess what the faith done? It revealed something. What did it reveal? A boat. He had faith. And his faith was put into action because he believed God and something come to fruition. Because of that faith. Your faith will bring something to fruition that others can see. 
And if they reject God after that, they're in trouble. Noah is different from Cain. Noah worked, but the Bible said he was saved by grace. He wasn't saved by his works. The works are revealing to us something else. The reverts are showing us the preaching. Noah's belief in God's word forced him to make a decision one day. And he either had to accept it or reject it. He accepted it by fear and he went to work. And the work was the message to others that judgment is coming. And we work to tell the message today. Telling the message is work. The work didn't ensure Noah was saved. The work ensured that the boat got built. Noah, yet again, had to take God at his word when Noah got on board the, the ark because the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now I want you to notice the animals got on after Noah and his wife and his kids did. But you'll find in the previous chapter that the Lord told Noah to gather the animals. Now I don't know about you, but how are you going to do that? Something had to be in the heart of those animals to come to where Noah was. Think about this for just a minute. If Noah didn't round them up and Noah got on the boat before they did, how did they get on the boat? Now I just told you that if those people had listened to what Noah had said and accepted God at his word, that boat would have been for them. But the boat was for the animals. God didn't breathe life into the animals. He breathed life into man. What happens when you drown? Your lungs fill with fluid and the breath is taken and forced out of your body. The God that breathed life into man now through judgment has forced that life out of man. Now notice with me, if you will, this is, this is important here. If man won't take God at his word, notice what happens here. Go to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19 tells us of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But let me tell you what happens right here. This is amazing. Go with me to Luke 19 and verse number 37 as we're winding down here uh, this morning. Luke 19 and verse number 37, the Bible says, And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in the heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and he said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. In Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, as we know he's headed towards Calvary, at this moment in time when praising and worshiping is taking place, it is, it is asked of the Lord Jesus Christ to hush his disciples. And this is what he says. If they don't praise me today, in this moment, as I'm heading to the place that I know that I'm going, even the rocks will immediately cry out. In other words, God was going to get glory one way or the other. And if man 
in his free will chooses not to glorify God, God will take something and make something bring him glory. Notice with me, if you will here, that the rocks were going to cry out. Now, God breathed into man, and man became what a living soul. And God gave breath, and God would take it away right here in the judgment. But essentially what's being said when the Lord responds in verse 40, and he answered, and some of them, I tell you, that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately, like, immediately cry out. He's saying if man won't respond, God's creation will. If man won't respond, my creation will. You know why the animals got on the ark? Because man wouldn't respond to the preaching that God had sent their way. And so because they rejected it, God said, Noah, you bring your family on board and all those animals that I put in their heart to come to that ark is going to get on that boat. Have you ever tried to load cows, friend? I've been beat up, knocked over, run over, kicked, stomped, mauled down. My wife has sat down and had a, a nearly an epileptic fit crying because she was so scared that the bull was going to kill one of us. It didn't want to get on board. How do you get all these creatures on board? God put it in their heart. Why? Because the man wouldn't respond. God got the glory. You know what's going to happen today? If man don't respond to God, God's still going to get the glory. But Noah, we see, was a preacher of righteousness. Now, let me say this. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse number 1 says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles uh, of the commendation to you, or excuse me, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. I'm going to ask you a question in closing this morning. What we find here in Hebrews chapter number 11 is we find in these three men in their faith, we see that the blood has been exemplified through the faith of Abel. And in the, the faith of Enoch, we see the rapture of the church, if you will. Restoration, if you will, is exemplified in the faith of, of Enoch. In Noah we see a picture of grace. We see a picture of salvation. We see preaching. We see judgment. We see rejection. We see belief. But I want to say this, we also see eternal security. How? God was in the ark and told Noah to bring his family in. Come thou to me. But it was God who shut him in the ark. They didn't shut themselves up. God did. You know why I'm safe and secure today? Not by my works. Not by what I've built. But because I accepted what God's invitation said unto me. And then I was sealed. The door was sealed. Water wasn't going to get in because God sealed the door shut. And I'm sealed unto the day of redemption. And when Noah stepped off of that ark, Noah could never say, that he could lose his salvation. For Noah was saved and had been saved and no one could take it away from him. Notice this, there wasn't an individual that day that could get in that ark or could get Noah out. And there's nobody going to get you get in, get you in. They're not going to get in except they go by the, the, the word of God and ain't nobody going to get you out. What are we seeing here? Man, we're in the first three individuals. We're not, we're not even out of the book of Genesis yet. And what we've seen is the blood 
We see the rapture of the church before the law is ever instituted. We see the importance of preaching, the importance of accepting God's word, the importance of having fear and knowing that God is a judging God, what it is to reject, what it is to believe. Then we see eternal security this morning in the first three individuals that God calls our attention to in Hebrews chapter number 11, and we've not even got out of the book of Genesis. So let me ask you something this morning, and I'm done. We're going to continue to go down through here and look at these individuals and what their faith is exemplifying. Isn't it not amazing that these three individuals has exemplified us solid doctrines that we find in the Word of God concerning our salvation? Yes, the law was our schoolmaster, but I am saved by grace. Now here's my question to you, and I want to engage this thought, and we'll engage this thought as we work through this study. And I know this is different. I understand that. What is your faith saying to others about God and his book? Listen, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. I want to ask you a question. Are you faithful? Will you Stay faithful unto death. These men stayed faithful. They listened to God's word. And God's word and their acceptance and belief in what God said done something and exemplified something that years after they are gone is still exemplifying and will continue to down through the ages. This is God's preserved word. It will never be forgotten what Abel done, what Enoch done, what Noah done. It's recorded forever. Let me ask you a question. Are you having an impact on people <laughs> that last throughout the ages? when you don't even realize that you're impacting the lives of people. Because we want to impact, right? We put together programs and we try to do this and we try to do that. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Just everyday living and trusting God and believing God and doing what God says and fearing God in spite of your circumstances and staying faithful unto death is going to be the best testimony and have the most effect than anything else that you could do in this life. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Now, I, I don't know people's hearts. I don't know what keeps people out of church. And I understand that there's some instances that you have to be. But I will say, too, as a pastor and a preacher, if I wrote a book on every excuse that I've been given for why somebody couldn't devote themselves to God or come to God's house or take part in, in, in worshiping God and, and doing what his book said, I could write a book and, and people would laugh. People would laugh. I'd rather somebody just look me in the eye and say, I ain't coming because I don't want to, than to, to lie to me. Or I'm not interested in what God said just because I'm not. Well, you're not pleasing me. It's between you and God. I respect you a whole lot more for just saying, get lost. I don't owe you an explanation than I would for somebody to give me some of the excuses that they've done. I'm going to say this. Your faithfulness to God and your faithfulness to what God has in your life and your faithfulness to the church is going to do more 
for lost souls than anything else. And when you think that you not being around and being involved isn't really all that important, you're cutting yourself short and the church. And you're cutting others short that need to see you exemplify before them what it is to stay faithful no matter what comes your way. And let me say to you, it's coming. We find it in the exhortation to the church at Smyrna. Problems are coming. But one thing that cannot be taken from me is my salvation. And when I'm done here and I lay it down here, and I go yonder to be with him. The trials of this life will be short. But while my issues will stop, I wonder if my faith that I had and the effect that my faith had will continue to keep on going. Listen, some decisions that people make in this life affect people negatively. Generation after generation after generation. Break the cycle, friend. So I can't. You can't on your own. But I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And if you'll just trust God, believe God, fear God, put your hope and faith in God. God will take your faithfulness in spite of your circumstances and show people and reveal to people God and his book. Let's all stand to our feet. Sister, if you'll come to the piano, I would that you'd come this morning if you need to do business with God. I don't know your heart this morning. I don't know your need. But the Lord does. And if you find that you're lacking in your faithfulness to the Lord, I want you to understand you're affecting more than just yourself. Why are we here? If God got everything out of you, he wanted out of you when he saved you, he'd have took you on to glory. But he didn't. He's left you here for something and for a reason. That reason is to exemplify Christ. Your example is a powerful thing. And it was so important to God that he made sure to tell the church at Smyrna that they should stay faithful unto death. Are you faithful? Are you being faithful unto death? What is your life exemplifying? enjoying the benefits today of the faithfulness of these three men. God's still using the faithfulness of three, three, these three men for your benefit today. Is God taking your faithfulness? Are you faithful to him? Is he able to take what you're doing right now and compound it and use it down through the ages? Or is your life doing more right now to hurt God and his cause than it is to help? 